I've been in this water long enough, and I've been trying to paddle myself around. I've got a few pieces of wood I'm hanging on to. I need to let go of those pieces of wood and say, hey, I'm tired of being out here on my own where I'm drowning. Hey, Spirit of God, can you take me to shore? There was, there's two separate times where I vividly remember Jesus and someone, a man of God on a ship that's been wrecked, that's in the middle of the ocean, that's been destroyed. And it was, yes, the shipwreck is a story and how God brought them to shore is a story. But what is important is to understand why God brought them through the storm and put them on the shore in the first place. You understand that when Paul was shipwrecked and and his ship ran aground and it busted to pieces, God brought him to shore and it wasn't to bring him safety. Don't get me wrong. It was not for Paul to be safe. It's because there was an island called Malta that needed to experience a living, breathing God. And what an incredible way to experience him than to be the people on the shore watching the ship being tossed to and fro, seeing it shattered against the rocks. And then the next morning, watching men come ashore when you thought they're all dead. There's no way they made it. You see, we've always preached from the perspective of Paul and from those on the ship. But what about those on the island that were watching this happen over the course of a couple nights when the ship was being tossed and they're like, man, we can't do anything for them. It's over. We've seen storms like that. It kills people, takes down the vessel and everything on it. But, But they go to sleep. And then and, and, and the next day, here comes droves of people out of the water. Are you kidding me? Your ship was broken. Everyone else dies normally. <laughs> Here's one thing. You see, they had a man on board who sent up an SOS. <laughs> they had a man on board who sent up an SOS and got a message from the heavenlies that said, hey, don't you jump off board. The ship's going down, but don't jump off board because I got a plan for you. I need the ship to go down so that the people who watch the ship go down are in awe of what God does when he brings you to shore. Why did your vessel sink? Not because God was judging you, but because God wants to use you. Oh, oh, somebody, somebody, somebody in here been talking about the vessel in your life going down and you're wondering, what did I do wrong? Why did God do this to me? Why isn't it working out? And God says, I got an island that you need to get to that needs to see your ship go down, but watch you come out the water. You see, that's, see, oh, Oh, I'm a big movie buff. I love movies. And I really love Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. But my favorite scene in the entire trilogy that the whole, everything is based on is when they go underwater and yet they're still walking under the water. And you're just like, this is amazing, right? You watch this army of skeletons while they're in the, oh, somebody going to hear, we're going to preach off the Pirates of the Caribbean. Hey man, that's going, we going, who knew God can use anything, right? He used a donkey. He can use a movie. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Here's what they, 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 they have a curse on them and they, they're walking under the water. And while they're under the water, they're like skeletons and they're coming through. But when they come up out the water and they're stepping on the land, they begin to get flesh and blood back on them. Here's, I mean, here's what I want to tell you, that God buried your vessel so he could bring you out of the grave. And when you come up, 
as you come up, the people on the island are like, wait a minute. Something ain't right. Normal people die out there. Why didn't you die? Well, here, let me tell you something. You see, and what that did is that tilled up the ground. And what happened, Ma? Man, Paul went out there. He was cold. He was still soaking wet. Why? Everybody was still wet coming ashore. And the people on the island were like, what in the world are they doing? They begin to go and get wood. And they begin to make a fire. And as they're making a fire, Paul's bringing more wood. Because here's the thing about this incredible man named Paul, and we all need to understand. Look, it doesn't matter if you've been shipwrecked, beat up, put out, beat down, cast out. I don't know what it is in your life. You still are called to serve people and serve the purpose of God. He did not quit carrying wood because the ship just got wrecked. Somebody needs to hear that in your life. You've stopped carrying wood to build the fire because your vessel went down. The plans of your plans didn't work out and now you've given up on doing anything. I ain't carrying that no more. I ain't serving them no more. I ain't adding to the fire. I ain't contributing to the warmth. I ain't giving out to the light. I'm done because my vessel went down. Let me tell you something. Just because your vessel went down doesn't mean there's not a fire you need to start tending, that you need to start building for other people to get warm. He said, he said, all right, I'm going to keep carrying wood. He's carrying wood, soaking wet, probably beat up from coming through the storm, no doubt, because the ship was tall. I don't know if y'all have ever seen movies, but man, they didn't have seatbelts on boats. I'm just going to warn you. Like It starts rocking. You start flying. If you ain't holding on, that's all I'm going to tell you. And man, he still was carrying wood to build the fire. And then wouldn't you know, while he's carrying wood to put it in the fire, out from the fire came a snake latched onto, out from the woods, came a, a snake latched on his arm, and Paul just looked at it. You know, once you've been shipwrecked a couple times, once you've been beat up a few times, once you've had stones thrown your way, once you've been hard-pressed on every side, pushed, but not crushed, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, not destroyed, once you've been through all that and a snake just latches onto your arm, you know that snake don't mean anything. It's like, get off of me. Get off of me. And the Bible says that Paul shook that snake off into the fire. If he had not been tending the fire, Where's the snake going? And you know, that's a lot of your all's. My problem is we stop tending the fire. And so when all these things latch onto us, we got nowhere to put them. We got nowhere to shake them off. We just shaking them off on the ground and they're coming right back. Tend your fire. Tend your fire and give you a place to shake your snakes off. (laughs) And what fire might I be talking about? What a good question. Y'all are some wonderful students to think of that question. What fire might I be talking about? Can we take a trip just a few books over from that story? A few chapters, if you would. Go backwards in Acts chapter 2, and you'll find the fire that I'm referring to. It's called the fire of the Holy Ghost. No, no, no. See, 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 y'all aren't picking up what the pastor's putting down at this moment, okay? Because there needs to be more of an excitement and a pursuing of the fire that I'm talking about. I knew God was going to get me here. I just didn't know how he was going to get me here. You see, there's only so long you can shake snakes off into bushes There's only so long you could do that, but it doesn't ever destroy the enemy. Here's what I'm saying. You can get a lot of 
fuel for your fire. You could be around a lot of weeds and bushes. And that's what I call the church, the buildings, the people, the word, the prayer. All that's good. But there is a difference between that and the fire. You see, you see, see, this is something that, that, that we, we, we haven't fully embraced. And that's the reason why we got a lot of half, half delivered people. That's why we got a lot of half free people because they got the freedom of, of the word that we give them, but they don't have the freedom of the Holy Ghost. They ain't got the fire inside of them. They aren't tending that fire. Here's what I'm trying to teach you. And then, see, here's the, this is the only, these are the Christians are the only people in the world that I ever see this from. They want to only do their purpose with half of what God has available to them. Y'all the only people I know that want to do that. Christians are the only people I know that want to do that. It's like, hey, I got a purpose for you. I got all these tools at your disposal. And you're like, no, I'll take half of it. Give me a couple of them. Give me the Bible and give me church. He's like, well, hang on. I got this really massive tool that you're not using that you're just leaving laying on the sideline. It would be like going to war and, and, and not taking your gun with you. <clears throat> so, yeah, but I got my two hands. Well, I don't know how good that's going to do you when someone from about 75 yards can shoot you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter, okay? But what the Holy Ghost does, oh, somebody hear me. Oh, somebody hear me. What the Holy Ghost does, and see, I used to run from that word. I did. I think I've told y'all this before. Amy, I used to run from that. I didn't like the word Holy Ghost. It made me feel weird. I was like, that's creepy. I don't, I don't need no ghosts in my life. All right? I don't need no ghosts in my life. But I didn't realize. I didn't understand just what he does. You see, that's, that's the thing. We, we've lost it. We've, 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 we, it's been so long since the church has walked in it, people forgotten what it was. We have convinced ourselves that we can do this with good programs, good teaching, and good worship, while all of those are needed and necessary, they are not the most important thing. They're not. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to be baptized. That's a weird word. I don't like being baptized. Well, you need to be baptized, okay? You know, we got, a lot of, we got this saying. We always say you need Jesus. I think we need another shirt or another phrase. You just need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. You're, you're saved. You're good. But, man, you're walking around with half the arsenal you need in your life. What do you mean? Is that why I've been struggling with this addiction? Probably. Is that why this is happening in my life? Probably. Is that why I, don't, I walk every day up and down, kind of got victory, now I'm underneath, kind of got victory, now I'm underneath? Yeah, that's probably why. Because the Bible says walk in the spirit. Not, 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 not walk in knowledge. I've met a lot of people who can quote the word of God. A lot of them, John. Met a lot of them. That can outquote me on any given day. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen people that have more talent on a stage than, than in, they just got it. But here's one thing that I haven't seen a lot of. Someone walking into a room and changing the entire atmosphere of that room because of what they brought with them, namely the Holy Spirit. Me and John were at a place and this guy walked into the room and we literally felt everything shift. And we looked at each other and was like, oh, 
this is different. This is different. See, I've heard of men of God like that, where they would just walk by you, and they wouldn't touch you, but something would grab you. You'd be like, whoa, hold on a minute. Wait a, wait a minute. We ain't going to act like that just didn't happen. Like, I just felt something. You know, there's a story of a man that was on a train, and another man boarded the train, walked by him, sat right in front of him the whole trip. He shook and sh- just shook the whole time he was in front of him. Shook. And the man that was sitting behind him got up at the, end of the, at the end of the journey and went to walk by him. And as he was walking by him, the man stuck his arm out and stopped him. He said, man, I don't know what in the world you do, who you are, where you're from. He's like, but when you boarded this train, something inside of me began to shake. He said, I've never felt this in my life. And he unzipped his jacket. And it was a collar of a priest sitting on the train. And he said, I don't know what you got, but whatever it is, I want it. The man didn't have to say one word. The man didn't have to say, you realize when you get the Holy Ghost in you and it is on you, moving through you, you don't have to wear t-shirts that say, I'm a blood-bought Christian. I'm a saved person. Fishes all over me. That's right. I said fishes. All right. You don't, don't judge me. All right crosses all over your paraphernalia. You got stickers on your bumper. The only thing that does is let people know when you cut them off and flip them off that, hey, that ain't right. Somebody's supposed to be living different. But here's the thing. That's what I'm saying. You don't have to, you don't have to go shouting everywhere. But if you get that fire, I don't have to touch fire to feel the heat. I don't have to touch fire to know Woo! Hey, something, something, something coming from that. Something coming from that. Ain't nobody got to touch you. You ain't got to say a word. If you get that fire on the inside of you, you could just walk in and you'll watch like as cold people do in the middle of winter when there's a fire around. They'll just... Hey, man, you don't mind if I stand next to you and warm my hands, do you? Nah, bro, that's good. But while you're warming your hands, let me tell you why it's so hot right here. There was a man named Jesus who 2,000 years ago decided to do something for me. You see, you see, when you get hot, it'll just start conversations. You'll hear people go, what in the world is, what, why do you act like this? How can you walk like this? How could you get out of a storm and still start serving people? That doesn't make sense. Because when I get out of a storm, I need to go somewhere and rest for a few days, a few weeks, a few months before I can get myself back together and I could do something for the Lord. Let me tell you something. God removes all time of, of re- resting and recovery because of his Holy Spirit. You can get hurt and still serve. You can get burned and still give heat. You can do all of these things through the Holy Spirit, but you can't do it through yourself. You know, it's funny. We were, we were going we to move into this part of this series on, on refocusing our relationship with Jesus because we've looked at all of our other relationships, right? Looked at, you know, being friends, looked at being single, looked at being parents, looked at being uh, married. Yeah, married. We forgot that one, right? Don't forget that one. That's a kind of important one. Looked at all that. And I knew last week while I was talking, I said, God, and I even said it there. My son was like, I don't think this is the end of it. And I got on a phone call with my sister or a text message. I can't remember. Maybe it was texting. We were texting each other and we were talking about it. And she was like, you know, um, she referenced this, you know, the, the refocusing of our relationship with Christ. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. And she said, well, I kind of thought that's where you were going. Like, that's kind of the direction I thought you were going. I was like, no, I'm far behind from that. Like, God told you that. He ain't told me that yet. You know what I'm saying? 
Like, I'm still walking by faith, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you can plan all you want to. It says, I'm just going to follow the Spirit, you know? But, <laughs> but, but while we were talking, the Lord said, that's it. That's why you wasn't done yet. Because you've talked about all these, all these horizontal relationships. What about the vertical? Because here's the thing. You can't, you can't have any of this right without this. But isn't that what we try to do? We, 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 try, to, we try to manage these relationships, and we just kind of leave this one to however, however we want to do it. Just kind of go with it, you know? Guys, I got, no, that's not what I called you to do. I, I, need you to, I need you to refocus, all right? Our relationship needs to be very purposeful, all right? You did not come to me for the, well, maybe you did, because that's what a lot of people do. They go to Jesus for what he could potentially do for them. Yep. It's like, I didn't call you for potential. I called you for purpose. Yep. I called you for purpose, and I need you to quit. And you just start focusing on the purpose. And here's the thing. When God gave the people, the, the disciples, a purpose, that was the plan. And he said, he said, hey, my plan for you is I need you to go into all the world preaching this gospel, making disciples of all nations. But then he said, but before you do, you see, this is why you got to know the purpose. Because if you don't know the purpose, you won't do it the right way. You'll start minimizing certain aspects because you don't understand the purpose. All right? So when God said, my purpose for you and the reason I came, the reason I died, the reason I was buried, the reason I came back is because I need to create this thing called the kingdom. The church, that Paul calls it the great mystery. It's a mystery. It's not that big of a mystery anymore. We've already figured it out. It was just hard for them to understand it back then. Okay? And when he gave on the purpose, he said, there's only one way you can do it. I need you to go and wait. I need you to go wait. There's a room, and I need you to go up in it. I need you to hang out there. I need you to stay there. Why? Because the purpose that you're supposed to be doing needs power. And right now, you're gonna, you got the purpose, but you don't have the power. Right now, you have the direction but you don't have the power. You don't have the fuel. It's like saying, hey, I need to get to here, but your car don't have gas. Actually, I'm going to go even further. It's like needing to go somewhere, but not having a car at all. Okay? God said, hey, I need you to go wait for me in the upper room. Because in order for you to do the purpose, you're going to have to have the power. And here's what I feel in my heart. Joshua, you can come on up, Bo, because I don't, I don't know where he's at. Yeah, you're good, man. I'm, I'm finishing. Because I'm done, I, like I said, I, I'm not crazy enough to try to outpreach this moment. I don't want to give way for that. I want you to come and experience what the Lord has for you. Some of you are like, man, I, but, but, but I really just planned on coming to hear worship in a good word. Well, my gosh, man, you could get that at home. Right? You can get that at home. You can get that anywhere. I understand that. But here's what we need to understand. When you come together with like-minded people that come together for the same pursuit and the same purpose then you can experience a level of the power that you don't even know is available to you. There's something about being in the middle of a group of people crying out to the Lord. He said this. He said, if my people... Y'all understand that, right? Like He didn't say if one person. He said, if my people... People who are called by my name, called, purpose. Hey, 
If my people would humble themselves. You see, and I'm not talking about you need to start thinking about yourself as a bad person. Oh, woe is me. I'm terrible. No, that's not what I'm saying. Humility is this. Simply knowing who one is in Christ. Because if you can realize who you are in Christ, then you will operate with the right humility of understanding who you are, period. So he said this. He said, if my people who are called by my name would humble, would just know who they are in me, if they would just understand why I've called them and who they are and who they're supposed to be, if they could do that, and then if they would turn from their wicked ways, you see, that crushes a lot of y'all's little bubbles about yourself, doesn't it? Because he said, if my people would turn from their wicked ways, what do you mean? I'm saved. I got no wicked in me. I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but you do. You still do. That's why Paul said, I got to die daily for this thing. Because my wickedness is ever before me. My wickedness is ever present. The evil in me that tries to come out, it's every day. Every day. And I got to be intentional. I got to pay attention to my purpose. Because if I don't know my purpose, here's what I'll do. I'll confuse my purpose. And I'll begin to think that my day, I'm supposed to just set out to find where everybody else is wrong. That the purpose and the reason why I exist is so I can tell all my coworkers where they've missed it. So I can tell my family where they went wrong. And so that I can be the light that I'm supposed to be. I said, I said, hold on, that's not why I created you. How I created you. I need you to get rid of that pride, because right, that's all that is, pride. You can't fix it. God can. SOS, that's all I got. He says, so if you would, if you would turn from your wicked ways and you would repent, you would, you would repent. Some of us need to repent of things in our life. That's another block of the power. Refusing the power and then absolutely living a life that won't receive the power. He said, but if you would turn from your wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven. Then I'll hear from heaven. And I, I will heal your land. You see, you see, that's, that's what we're supposed to be. Vessels of healing. Right? Like the purpose for us is not to just receive healing, but it's to be a vessel of the healing. It's not just to receive the blessing and the provision, but to be a conduit for the blessing and the healing to get to others. You notice he said, I'll heal your land. Like that's not personal. Jesus never taught a gospel that was singular in focus, but it was mass in application. God said, my death was for everybody and therefore my healing is for everybody and I need you to be vessels of it. So here's what I want to ask you this morning. 
I believe God wants to refocus our relationship with him this morning. I believe he wants us to come to the understanding that, hey, we got a greater purpose in life. Man, you got so much to do. Everyone in this room, here's what everybody does. We always shovel ministry right back behind us. When the man of God starts talking about your role in ministry, you're like, oh, that ain't me. That's for that other guy back here. What do you mean I'm I'm supposed to preach the gospel? No, I'm not a preacher. That's wrong. You are. Everyone needs to understand you are a minister of the gospel. Everyone in here, and everyone in here has a greater purpose than what you realize. And I don't say that for you to go home and be like, yes, I'm important. I do that to give you an urgency to quit sitting on your hind end and doing nothing. Some of you I didn't come to church to get scolded. Well, yeah, you did. You came here this morning. That's exactly what God's doing. God has given us a word that says, get up, church. Awake, oh sleeping giant. And be filled with my power. Our whole series is leading up to this moment. You got friendships. You got got moms and dads. You got kids. You got relationships that need you to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. Me and my buddy talked about this the other week. We said, you know, growing up, growing up, we got to experience a lot of things. We were raised in a full gospel powerful ministry where we've seen people healed. I mean, I'm talking healed, buddy. Not like, you know, hey, this could be this or it could be this and then then it turned out to be this and everyone's like, oh, that's God. And it may have been God, absolutely. But I've seen men walk in with cancer on their neck. I've seen people walk in on crutches. I've seen people roll in in wheelchairs. I've seen people suffering from internal bleeding for years. I've seen cancer that was there, that had been documented, gone. I've seen it. And I got to experience it almost on what some would consider a consistent basis. And yet I'm looking. And it says a lot about me and a lot about where we are. But I'm looking around and I watch people coming in week after week after week in the same condition every single week. I'm like, hey God, can't we, can't we do it differently? Can't we? see you like I know you ain't done y'all know that right like like I'm not the only one who feels that right like I'm not the only one who goes to bed going hey I know you ain't done like I there's nothing that tells me you're done but yet I'm looking and I'm like why and why and why and uh, hey 
Can we not get back to that? Can we not feel that? Can we not walk in that again to where we got people leaving church knowing I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be fine because God's got me and I've seen him move and I've watched him heal and I've seen him deliver and I know he's going to and I'm so convinced and I'm so assured that God's got this but we see people leaving going, does God have it? Can God fix it? Or is this just it? I'm about to get real personal with y'all because y'all need to know. My wife and I are dealing with a devil that just keeps coming back and back and back again and again. And I don't, I don't refuse to believe the reality of the situation. I accept the reality of it, but I do not accept the permanence of it. I refuse to believe that the, the, the stuff that we're walking in is going to be there forever because I know a God who has changed lives and has changed my life and has completely raptured everything around so I'm not going to walk saying this is it. I might say it is right now, but it's not what it's going to be. I might say it is right now, but it's not what it's going to be. Some of y'all need to say that. It's not, it is what it is right now, but it's not what it's going to be. It's not what it's going to be. God can change it.